0: Joining me now is William Mao, Senior Vice President of Media Rights Consulting at Octagon. William, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Austin. Good to see you. Obviously, just a small piece of news broke Tuesday night, as if the Super Bowl wasn't occupying enough of the sports business world's time. A new streaming service set to launch in the fall. It is a collaboration between Fox, ESPN, Warner Brothers Discovery, going to be very sports focused, all of those channels onto this platform. There'll be some involvement with ESPN+. Plus. We don't know a name yet. We don't know a price point. Obviously, a lot to talk about with regard to those points. But what was your initial reaction when you heard the news on Tuesday?
1: My first thought was we've been waiting for the Netflix of sports, and what we ended up getting was the Hulu of sports, at least in our market, right? Um, if you think about more broadly, some other Services that are already in play, notably Hulu, it kind of has the same dynamics in terms of multiple media, traditional media companies coming together, pulling together, and sharing, uh, and contributing their content towards a a digital service. And so uh, I immediately thought about that uh, as as kind of my my first reaction. But to your point, a lot of it, unknown still in terms of what was provided in that in those press releases versus what that service will ultimately look like down the line.
0: William, one of the other things we do know is that each of the three entities is going to own a third of the new service. There'll be a new CEO, it'll report up to a board. But, you know, talk to us about how the revenue sharing structure might work in this entity.
1: Yeah, I think uh, there, there is probably going to be a difference between the equal equity in, in the venture versus revenue or profit sharing off of, off of the performance, just given the fact that these three media companies have very different portfolio sizes in terms of their sports rights. If you think about a company like ESPN or Disney that has so many different channels that it's trying to program and a large portfolio of rights compared to on the other end of the spectrum uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, which has premier content, but a smaller, a nexus of it. Uh, we've seen, uh, I think I read this morning from Wells Fargo, they're estimating it might be a 50, 30, 20 type of distribution, uh, relatively speaking, between ESPN, Fox, and, and Warner Brothers, uh, respectfully.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's tonnage. And we always talk about ESPN and its tonnage. And they are bringing, it's not just ESPN. They're bringing ABC in its sports portfolio, SEC Network, ACC Network, the Deuce. And ESPN Plus is obviously going to be a part of it. So that would make sense in terms of revenue distribution from that, from what you're telling me from that Wells Fargo yeah. report. And,
1: and given, given the timing that they've communicated in the fall, that almost seems to imply that they believe they, they have in their existing agreements, all the requisite rights and, and licenses to to take this content from the traditional space and potentially move it to a streaming service it's a little different than when they've struck for example ESPN plus specific deals which specifically are talking about putting content on a
0: streaming service yeah and just a small rights deal out there uh, involving the NBA that you know might might uh, might have some impact here yeah very interesting
1: Their two two of their current partners are, are part of this part of this JV so we'll say
0: Now, Hulu obviously has been an an easy comparison for everybody. But as everybody knows, while that was started by multiple networks, it was kind of a Gordian knot in trying to untangle that in in the end. Do Do you think that that might be an issue for this particular platform down the road? I think one of the interesting
1: things about this particular joint venture is the differing nature of sports rights and their cycles and how they get renegotiated relative to perhaps general entertainment Um, that has is sort of the content is episodic, seasonal, and even if it kind of moves around within that ecosystem, it perhaps uh, to the consumer, the end consumer can still look very similar uh, across these, you know, three or four media networks. But depending on how the interface of this new service looks, that content may still be jumping around within the service if the service is still being sort of live channel or like FS1, ESPN, TNT sports type branded.
0: You know, I want to talk about like why now for each of these partners, obviously ESPN, something we've talked about for a long time now is when are they going to launch a direct to consumer product? This doesn't take that off the table at all. And Fox hasn't really played in this area at all. They've been one of the major media companies out there that didn't have really its own OTT streaming service. Warner Brothers Discovery has Mac. So they've kind of been dabbling in that. Like why now for each of these parties?
1: On some level, perhaps it's in, instead of letting, you know, kind of the wave of continued cord fraying and, and um, cord nevers uh, continue to kind of wash over you as a media company. And we've seen over the last couple of years, uh, market cap stock price uh, of these organizations ha- has taken double digit, uh, you know, changes on, on the negative side. Uh, since 2021, 2022, period. Perhaps instead of letting the chaos happen, you want to be the one that starts the chaos so you can tr- control it, dictate it, uh, and, and be the one that influences
0: the pace of it. You know, you talk about the Cord Nevers. Fox CEO Lachlan Murdoch and that company's report this week, their financial report, talked about how there are 60 million. Cord Nevers, just in the United States. And that just presented an incredible opportunity to do something like this. Let's, let's see how many of them actually sign up. How many of them are sports fans? Um, but you've also seen this sort of service, this this bundled sort of service in a lot of global markets. What have you seen that's kind of analogous to what they're trying to do here in the U.S. now?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, one of the the other first initial reactions I had to this was it reminded me it had, had, had shades of what uh, took place in 2022 in the Caribbean market on the sports side, um, where you had Digicel and and Flow kind of join forces to launch Rush Sports. Very similar, two entities there, two major players in that market, uh, in terms of rights portfolios, and and now they're kind of JVing, working together. Um, a Hulu equivalent uh, also exists, for example, in a market like Korea, where three of the major broadcasters KBS, NBC, SBS, uh, along uh, in partnership with one of the telcos there. Kind of launch something uh, similar to Hulu uh, in terms of a Korean content partnership. So you know the model is is not super unique. It's obviously a game changer nonetheless in in our particular market. And the point you brought up about Lachlan's comments, that's a consideration that's been uh, one that you've had to reconcile even as you're launching. You know the the the, the current spot services and ESPN Plus, a Peacock, a Paramount Plus is. The impact it will have on your current subscriber base in the traditional ecosystem relative to trying to target those core nevers or, or folks that have already left that ecosystem. It's obviously going to be even more critical uh, of a consideration here because it's literally the same content.
0: Let's talk about price point here. We haven't seen any specifics yet. We've seen a lot of speculation out there. Obviously, these networks Need to make their money back and they need to match the prices that they were getting from, you know, whatever ESPN was getting on DirecTV, whether that was $10 network, obviously ESPN being the most expensive network out there. What, of, what sort of price point do you envision for this service?
1: Yeah, um, the way I've started to think about it is triangulating it based on kind of three angles. One, what is the current price of and willingness to pay, it seems, for? Um, streaming services, even though if they're more singular, like an, an ESPN Plus, uh, or even on the local level, something like an MSG Plus or, or a Nesson 360, uh, on the high end, on those local level, the, the pricing is uh, $29.99, $30 a, a month, whereas those national services like an ESPN Plus, closer to 10 But if you think about it from the context of um, how can you rebuild this yourself, right, using the current e- existing uh, services in the marketplace if you will sign up for a virtual cable box like a direct tv stream uh, that included a lot of these sports channels 80 to 90 dollars you add on espn plus because that's going to be part of this service and it's a different set of content you're you're get you're getting to a hundred hundred dollars a month there and you're getting all the things that aren't in the service right like cbs content mb mbc content uh and the like so i would say like those, that's kind of the, the the spectrum right you have kind of $30 currently on the high end for individual services in the sports space. 100 if you were going to rebuild a lot of this yourself without going to this new service. So maybe it's somewhere in between, right? Somewhere in the the, the $50 uh, a month uh, price range because this is a much more substantial offering.
0: You brought it up, and I think we should talk about it is what is not going to be in the service, and that is anything on CBS – anything on Paramount Plus, their their OTT service, NBC and Peacock, and also a lot of the RSNs. Do you think that any of this might end up on this service? Do you think they might strike some sort of deal in the future?
1: I think it it remains to be seen. Uh, don't have a definitely a crystal ball on that. But I think some of the key properties that you mentioned, English Premier League, uh, a slice of, of Big Ten football, Notre Dame football, the Olympics, um, these, are, these are all key considerations. And so whether it's a little, perhaps, similar to the Hulu situation, where sometimes shows kind of move between rights holders, uh, or the archives of the shows are with one broadcast, uh, one one network, and the the latest season is with somebody else. Maybe it's something similar here, where even as content moves around, it comes in and out of the portfolio, as I mentioned uh, before. Uh, but I I could definitely see some of these other tier one or temple properties being a rationale for still continuing to have, you know, your, your access to uh, either traditionally or through streaming uh, services of these other media networks, uh, namely Paramount and, and Comcast NBC.
0: I know there are a lot of questions that are left to be answered with this. We have until the fall to figure it out before it launches. I know a lot of leagues out there are probably happy that are going to be part of the service, whether that's the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, college sports, a whole a whole, bunch of properties that are going to be part of this. Probably are happy to see that the media landscape is really shifting, being more consumer-friendly. William Mao, SVP Media Rights Consulting at Octagon, thank you for taking the time to chat.
1: Always a pleasure, Austin. Thanks so much.